0: So switching from what you learned last year to the changes that you actually implemented last year, what were some of the most successful changes you made?
1: So the first one that I shared with you might actually be a little bit morbid, but it's, a, it's kind of become my new motto in, in life. And I've even talked to my wife about getting a tattoo of it, but it's an old Latin phrase and it's rooted from the Stoics. It's, it's memento mori. And essentially that means remember your death. And I think that puts so much of what we're doing into perspective. We're all going to die. And it's like, if you kind of keep that at the front of your mind, I think it forces you to make better decisions, whether that be personal or whether that be professional. And it comes down to what value are we creating for the people around us and that First and foremost, starts with yourself, then your team slash family, then that expands into your clients, and then then ultimately the greater world. So that to me was kind of a a key insight or a key win of just once again figuring out direction, rudder. So memento mori. Another one is, and this was a bit tougher but it was having the courage to let go and part ways with a key employee, someone that I had been working with for about 10 years. And it was good, it was, it was, it was a good departure, but it was something that probably needed to happen, I hate to say it, a couple years before. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I think complacency sets in. You have a problem, you don't want to address that problem. Because you're scared of stuff, uh, but a lot of it was disagreeing with future growth plans, with where things were going to go. And once we broke free from that, that really, in my opinion, freed up a lot of just mental capacity. Because uh, it was there's two types of people in life. You you got your batteries included people. Those are the people that I want to be around because. You give each other energy to transfer energy, then you get your batteries, not included people. And mm-hmm. so I think looking at just personality types and who you're associating with is really, really, really critical. And I think really the kind of the third one is just hiring an assistant. It's something that I had been putting off for a long time. My assistant has freed up so much space, so much time, um, on all the little like administrative tactical stuff that I hate, uh, I have poor, I let things fall through the cracks, but she loves like, that's what gives her purpose. And, uh, a lot of that has been really kind of, I would say two things, giving up my calendar. So, you know, a lot of like client stuff, um, prospect stuff now goes through her. So she's taking care of that travel, et cetera. But then also this was the biggest one is giving up my email. And so what I did is I still have access to my email, but it's a very limited set. So I think my email volume went down about 90%, 95%. So she's filtering through all of the other stuff. I don't even look at her folder because we have Gmail for business. So everything gets filtered into her folder. And then if there's something that she feels is applicable to me, she just drags it into my folder. My concern was I was going to start peeking into these other folders. Yeah, that never happened. Um, so I'd say those are kind of the biggest things. It was just looking for efficiencies, looking for others to help take stuff off my plate. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. The I have looked at multiple times the idea of bringing someone in to take over email. It's on my list for this year to do. And I'm do intimidated by like, how do I set up get you know, all these different things? How do I set this up? And it's just the same thing as picking a, a vertical. It's like, it's just fear of what if they write back into a different tone? Who cares? Like everyone who I care about is going to get that and, you know, might say something wrong and, and they'll have the grace to, to do it. It's, it's all going to be fine. But until you go there,
1: it's challenging. Do it. I mean, it's, you know, having been where you've been and if you're watching this and you're kind of considering an assistant, it's been the biggest, probably one of the biggest investments that I've made uh, within the last 12 months, just for me personally, because it's just freed up my, it it comes back to headspace.
0: Hey, can I chase a, I want to, I want to chase a thread here just real quickly and encourage people in this way. You are one of the people in the agency space who I think of when I think of people who've invested in themselves, like not just time and you know that's like common we all read books we all consume podcasts or whatever but has put down like a good chunk of money to invest yeah. in yourself i know you've gone through dan Sullivan's strategic coach we've talked about some of the other stuff give us just kind of a quick like how well i guess first of all what at what point did you make the decision that you're the kind of person because so much tony robbins talks about this like that our identity is really what drives like who we tell our the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves is what drives a lot of our action. Yeah, we can certainly use actions to try and shape our, like we can, all this stuff is manipulatable. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. definitely not the right word that I'm looking for. Able to be manipulated. When did you decide you're the type of person who spends money
1: on yourself, on Uh, self-improvement? So I think there's that saying, the desire to change has to be greater than the desire to remain the same. And when you're confronted with your wife leaving with your, you know, at the time, your, your, your baby, that was the time that I started to bring in some outside help and perspective. And that was back in 2012. So I made a commitment from that point forward that every year I would be working with someone in some shape, form, or capacity. I think, A lot of times we get lost in our own heads and our own thoughts. You know, you got your water bottle, I see. We're inside the bottle. And if we had a label on this, we could not see the label from the outside. That's where the coach, the advisor, the guide, if you will, comes into play. But it's through those experiences of working with someone that has actually helped me to become a better coach, guide, advisor, for my clients. And so I reap the benefits twofold. It helps me as an individual, as an entrepreneur, as uh, as a leader, but then I'm also able to transfer some of those insights to my clients to help them help their teams. And so this is this constant giving of, of knowledge and, and we all win, all ships rise. So it's hard to do it by yourself. And this is what I've, I've told so many people starting businesses that I have talked to over the last years, get a coach, get an advisor, get a guide, get some type of accountability early on. I should have done it probably because I was 10 years into the business at that point. I mean, I probably should have been doing that maybe year, three, four or five when things really started to grow. Um, So that's, that's my, that's my recommendation on it. It's, it's invaluable um, because yeah, I, have spent, I mean, probably close to six figures now on like personal development training and programs, but I've gotten at least 10 times out of it. So it's an investment. It's either put money in the stock market or invest in myself. And that's how I look at it. Right. I'm going to come invest in myself because I know that I'm gonna get so much more out of it. Does that make sense?
0: absolutely and that's a challenge to like my personality type is very diy i want to figure it out i want to do it my way i want to and that's a bit, a significant mindset shift that especially in 20 that was a big part for me of 2018 and like we spent way more money on getting outside help than we've ever spent before for stuff that there's a difference between spending on stuff that you know that you can't do yourself and spending on stuff that you think you probably could figure out and you just want a better way and you want the outside perspective and you want the
1: the wisdom of someone who's been there before. So I've been there and I used to be like that, but my thinking today is if I can shortcut it and what I could learn on my own or finally come to the conclusion the realization, I don't know, let's say it takes me 12 24 months. Well, if I can take that 12 24 months and compress it into 3 months, I'm so much further ahead. And so it's something, there's value there because I read a lot. I intake a lot of information, but it's how much of that is relevant. And that's where working with an outside coach, advisor, a guide, they shortcut a lot of this.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely, and there's a big difference between like even the word shortcut, I get nervous every time I I use that talking with someone. I'm like, I, no, I'm not encouraging you to be the shortcuts type of person who's just looking for the tactics to get there. I'm looking yeah. you to be the shortcut type of person, and like, I want to learn this and develop the principles. I don't want like the low level tactics. I want to get the principles right as quickly as possible, and I'm going to invest in the people who are going to help me get those building blocks in the right place, and shortcut that journey.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a great point. It's like it's not shortcutting. And and it's gonna it's gonna end up being a cost. It's um, I, I use this analogy. I could build a fence, right? I could go to Home Depot. I could go get all the supplies, the materials. I could watch some YouTube videos. My fence is not gonna look good. Or I could bring someone who's built fences thousands of times, and they're gonna knock it out. They're going to shortcut it compared to me, but it's going to be 10 times better than what I could ever do because they've been there. They've done that. They have that expertise and I probably could learn a lot more from them by watching than I could even by watching a YouTube video. For sure.
2: Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Agency Journey. I'm Andrew. I'm a co-host here on the podcast, and I'm a founder of Zen Pilot. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love a five-star review and a comment on where you're listening from and what you're getting out of this podcast. You could drop that over on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to the podcast today. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get the updates as they come out. And if you want to engage with other agency owners that are enjoying this podcast, join our community. Head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. It's going to take you to our special private Facebook group, a collection of owners from around the world who are on their own journey to build their own agency. So head over to agencyjourneyinsiders.com. Join the group today. And if you're at a point where you're ready for some help and you want to implement processes and systems to scale your agency you can head over to zenpilot.com free training. And there you can watch a special 19-minute training presentation where we walk through the exact process that we use at Zenpilot to help agencies implement processes and systems so they can scale their business without reinventing the wheel for every client. And that allows agency owners to pull out of the weeds and spend more time working on their business. So hope you're enjoying the content here today. We'd love it if you join our community and we can't wait to hear where you are in your agency journey. Now back to the show.
0: All right. So you've given me all these takeaways, things to learn, all the ways that you've, you've been developing and having success. I'm going to flip this now and go to the other side, which is, you know, either we, we win or we learn is a common phrase in the Hickory Baseball program that a loss is only a loss if we don't take anything out of it that offers that yep. us for the future. What are some of the things that you've tried and failed at?
1: Uh, A lot of this was kind of the early story that I told about starting this business, getting greedy, Uh, growth for growth's sakes. Uh, I think that is really a big thing that I saw from my past. And a lot of it is rooted just kind of in my upbringing. I came from a conservative family family it's not that we were poor per se, but I just remember as a kid, you know, ask my parents for something. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. It's like, you kind of get this ingrained in your head. And it's like, well, when you start to see, have some moderate success, and then it becomes this, that's what fuels you. Well, that's going to ultimately lead to a downfall. And I think growth for growth's sake, it, it's, it's wrong. This idea of grind and hustle, you know, stuff that we see from, you know, Gary V, great guy, love him to death. And I see some of his message starting to change as well, because I think people take it out of context. Look at this. We're in this for the long haul. Like, like, what if, what if death was the only exit out of your agency? How would you operate then? What decisions would you make then? Like you could never sell, you could never retire. I was listening to a podcast with Blair Enz and David Baker the other day, that's kind of what they were talking through. I'm like, yeah, that's a great perspective, and that's kind of the way that I look at this now. Is I'm in this for the long haul because this is a marathon. This is not a, a sprint. And coming back to the idea of, of 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 just finances and money, and like money's not a bad thing. I am a capitalist. I am an entrepreneur for that reason. But let's redefine the relationship with money. And now it's not what drives me. Money is just nothing more than the result that comes out of what I do. There's that phrase, you know, if you want to be a millionaire, figure out a way to help a million people. And so that, once again, it gives you time to stop, pause, and think. It's like, how can I help a million people? building websites? Or how can I help a million people running PPC ads or social ads? So it's going to require, like, that's the doing, take time to stop and think about like the value creation for that, for your clients. Those are some areas. I think, you know, looking as well, it's like, what did you learn from failure? I love your perspective, the Hickory program. It's either we, we, we win or we learn. Um, I think failure it's something that we need to work through as a as a society. I look at failure as the fertile soil for future growth. Mm-hmm. It's that failure isn't a bad thing. But now with kids in elementary, it's almost like you're you're develop a fear of failure in elementary because before elementary they haven't been conditioned. There's there's no context of failure. They're just they're learning literally. They're learning. If they build something. It falls over. Great. Build it again no harm no foul one of the exercises i love doing with my clients around this subject is it's that marshmallow spaghetti stick challenge i don't know if you've ever done that yourself or seen that performed it's the kindergartners who have done this challenge that outperform the mbas and the executives right. because there's no fear of failing and so i think that's a big thing looking back over the past years that before, I would not make decisions because I was scared of failing. I was scared to change. But it's like when you when you start to lean into that fear, that's what makes – it actually kind of makes it fun. Because it's like, once again, coming back full circle, what's the worst that could happen?
0: Right. I'm going to ask you a question that Miriam threw out here. This is going back to your – Comment about sending, you know, kind of giving up on normal Christmas gifts and sending out a book to people that was impactful for you from the prior year. Was it the same book that you shared this year, or did you customize it to people? And what was the book?
1: So I customized a couple of different books. So some of them are like more of a in the banking space, but the one that I think that I probably sent the most was a book called Willpower Doesn't Work. Benjamin Hardy. Uh, I mean, he's the number one. Uh, author on medium. And a lot of his stuff is rooted in like human behavior. And so I think like, that's what I see a lot with agencies. And I've been there. I'll never forget. I had one advisor basically said, was like, the creative is not all that good. You're really not all that good. And I'm like, yeah, you're you're, you're actually right. And it's like, people aren't necessarily buying the creative. They're buying more of that, that. Once again, that result But where are the results driven? And he's like, you have no science in your agency. You have no sociology, no psychology, no behavioral economics. And so that really put me on a path forward six years ago to start diving into the sciences. And so that's one of the reasons I look at some of the stuff from like the works of Benjamin Hardy. Willpower doesn't work. Great book. Great read. Highly, highly recommended. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm not going to keep you here for much longer, but I want to ask... No, I'm you having this. fun,
1: man. Time's, time's flown by. It
0: it always does. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this, because you're pretty tuned in. I mean, you're running your own um, with Digital Growth Institute, but you're pretty tuned into the agency space. What are kind of the fundamental changes or what are the what are a couple of the big things that you see evolving in the landscape as we look forward to 2019 and beyond?
1: I don't want to be the AI fear monger. Um, or the or the digital technology fear monger. But I've seen it uh, slowly creep in. It's like the doing is just going to continue to go away. Technology is going to be able to do it faster, cheaper, easier. Uh, I mean, I, I forget what the platform is, but it's basically to where you can take a blog post and create a short video, pull out the content. The AI pulls out the content, matches the content up to some video pictures behind, and you have some some social content. I mean, how long would that take for a person to do when it takes literally just seconds for the technology to do? So really being aware of what and how we're positioning ourselves in the marketplace, I think is critical. What are the changes that are happening? It's like, in five years, how will my role change? And I think it's gonna change drastically. And therefore, it's like if you look, you have to continue to to push yourself as an individual, your team, your organization upstream to higher levels of value creation, the thinking being the strategy. But, But strategy, in my opinion, that still has the potential to be commoditized. And what I mean by that is I'm starting to see people, you know, they put, their strategic process, and I've used it in quotes because it's, it's a copy and paste template on every single agency website, and it's like the, what is it, the, the, the five or the four Ds, define, diagnose, develop, deploy, do it again. Okay, great, but what does that mean to you? Right. Like, How do you execute against that? Take some time really thinking through that process, that methodology. Because that is where value creation comes, not only for your clients, but also for yourself because it's about systemization, repeatable process. Repeatable processes lead to repeatable pattern identification, which then informs strategy. That's where really the the high level margins are. And so if you can separate yourself from the doing and the thinking, that's one area. But once again, being, being... Aware that strategy has the potential to become commoditized as well. So, if strategy becomes commoditized, we have to go up higher, and that's where the training and the education. But you can't do training and education if you don't have a strategy model in place, because otherwise, you're once again commoditized with the training. Uh, Think like Udemy, right? Uh, I mean, you can go and watch YouTube videos and learn yourself. I think the differentiation becomes accountability. Um, applying insights to a person's unique situation, oversight, coaching and guidance, because the online course completion rates are abysmal. And if, if an agency creates an online course and puts it out there and hopes people to take the course, eh, I'm not exactly sold on that. But if you have the course and you tie that course back with some type of coaching, consulting guidance, etc. cetera, there's a lot more value to be created there. So I think strategy is somewhere to look at in the future if you're not looking at it now, but don't get so stuck in the strategy. Keep your eyes out even further on the horizon, which is kind of where we're playing. It's in that training, that education space, because that is where, once again, even more value can be created at a much higher elevation for clients.
0: That's awesome. Man, we could, we could keep going forever, but let's wrap up here. We'll save the rest for parts two, three, four, and five down the road. Um, talk to people, though, about the best places to stay tuned with what you're doing. Obviously, we've got Digital Growth Institute. You've got an awesome URL there. I'll let you give that and then anywhere else you'd want to point people.
1: Yeah, so digitalgrowth.com. Some changes will be coming end of month. Some stuff that I've shared with you behind the scenes. It gets back to what exactly what I've talked about, about process, about systemization. Really, we're, we're publishing like... Everything. We're going to be publishing the entire process that we're taking our clients through. And that's a big fear that I had to get over. It's like, well, what if someone takes this? Great, take it, apply it to your client set. We're taking 17, 18 years of knowledge and packaging it up. And so if it helps you, wonderful. Um, so we have digitalgrowth.com. Probably LinkedIn is, is where I'm most active. Um, best thing that I recommend people do is just Google me. James Robert Lay and uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn Twitter I'm not nearly as active on but I'd say LinkedIn is really the, the place to find me that's awesome Dude,
0: this has been so good I appreciate you coming on and sharing thank you I'm going to go
1: I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and say this to you because this is where I'm going to start making stuff public so you know optimized product offering coming out 2019 big thing for me that's the year I write the book so that's digital growth awesome. blueprint or, or banking on digital growth. Um, that's going to, that's, that's the title set right there. Um, I've got the outline. My wife has been bugging me to do this. So now I've just put this out into the universe and now I have to, you I got people to hold me accountable. Existence. Exactly right. Man. Um, yep.
0: initial reaction, we'll have to hear from people and I'm sure you're doing all your own surveying. I love banking on digital growth. That one stuck out to me more,
1: but. That's actually, that's actually, um, part of a much bigger book series. So. Ooh. There's a lot of ways that we can take that. Okay. And I've been working with a, a, an advisor on where we can go from here.
0: Of course you're working with an advisor. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, good. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been really fun. Hey, man. Awesome. Any any time that I can just help and give back, reach out to me because it's like if I can help someone a shortcut where they're at to where they want to go, I'm happy to share the good and the bad, the ugly because we're all in, this, all in this journey together.
0: James Robert Lay, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks.
1: Thanks, man. Cheers.